On the show today, we're going to talk about brain fingerprinting. The guilty knowledge test, which has now been... Crime. ...stabbed in a, in a house, and the, the, the woman has a, a stab wound pattern around... Psychopaths. Psychopaths would not react any differently than, than you and I, hmm. uh, than, than a non-psychopath person, simply because... In the mysterious P300 waveform. What the heck is a P300 waveform? You absolutely do not want to miss this. His name is Michael Funicelli. He's a retired police officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He's a former lecturer at Charles Sturt University at the School of Policing Studies. He has operational experience in patrol, organized crime, serious crime, and federal investigations. He holds a PhD in experimental psychology, and his academic research is in memory detection through brain, uh, brainwave analysis, uh, through something that's called the P300-based concealed information test, lie detection, investigative interviewing, psychopathy, and psychology of terrorism. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to be here. What is brain fingerprinting? Okay, well, brain fingerprinting is more is the uh, what I would call the uh, popular psychology term for brainwave analysis. Okay. Um, so it is um, it is a technique that uh, has the the goal of uh, drawing out evidence from the stored memories of uh, suspects of crimes and witnesses of crimes. Okay. This technique started way back in in, uh, in in the early 1920s, in 1927, actually, with the work of uh, Ivan Pavlov, the Russian yeah. scientist. Yes, it goes all the way that far back in terms of science, because um, because it is a reflex. It's called the orienting, orienting reflex, and that's what uh, Ivan Pavlov uh, discovered uh, serendipitously. Uh, with his uh, experiments uh, with his dogs in his laboratory that were saliv salivating at the site of, uh, of dog food. It is a, a, a sensory signal sent uh, to um, or captured by the five senses of, of a human being that uh, uh, alerts the, uh, the, the organism, in this case a human being, it alerts the organism to either take a defensive um, a posture, reaction, or response to a, a stimuli, uh, or taking an appetitive uh, response. So, j just imagine that the uh, prehistoric man was walking around in in some uh, African uh, jungle or uh, or savanna, and uh, suddenly he heard a, a crack or he heard a, a, a weird noise. Uh, well, he would orientate all of his senses uh, towards that noise. I see. To to either to to make a determination whether to uh, you know the fight or flight, uh, engage in a, in in a fight or 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 flee uh, the situation if it, so, if the threat was was too big, you know. So it's a concentration of focus, essentially. Yes. So it it, uh, it all stems from there, and this is quite important to understand. Um, th that the role of the orienting reflex, because it's it is a, a cerebral ref reflex that every human being is equipped with. So we we you and I live 
daily or hourly, uh, every or even every second. And when we hear words uh, pronounced or, or we hear a sound, we see something, we smell something. Uh, right away, our our senses are are turned to something, and we try to determine what it is. Can brain wave analysis or or brain fingerprinting be used to detect someone lying? Ah, okay. Well, I'm glad you asked that because because brain brain wave analysis has nothing to do with uh, lie detection. Okay. It's uh, the the proper terminology to use in relation to brain wave analysis is memory detection and they they develop a uh, what they called at the time a, cons- a a guilty knowledge test so the guilty knowledge test which has now been termed the concealed information test works as follows so um, a suspect let's take a suspect of a of a homicide for instance and the suspect is known and is, is, is apprehended by the police. And uh, the police, um, the, during the course of their investigation, uh, uncovers, uh, let's say, a crime weapon left at the scene. For argument's sake, let's say there's a, a woman uh, stabbed in a, in a house and uh, the, the, the woman has um, uh, a stab wound pattern around the neck area, um, clearly visible. And uh, there's a blood, uh, blood-covered uh, knife left at the crime scene, and um, and we have a crime scene itself. Let's say the, the 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 female was stabbed in the kitchen for argument's sake. So you know the police now has a few clues, and it's important at this stage that the police do not leak out the, those crucial details, because they will the police will uh, present. Uh, these uh, these details to the suspect and uh, and analyze the physiological response of the suspect and if the suspect recognizes and that's where the that's where it becomes important um, is how do you measure when someone if someone recognizes a crucial piece of uh, of uh, probative evidence so. Uh, so uh, you you would present your the knife, let's say, in with an in an assort with an assortment of other of other uh, plausible alternatives, uh, maybe a baseball bat, uh, maybe a gun, a handgun, a hatchet, uh, maybe a knife, uh, a piece of rope, any any other type of uh, murder weapon uh, that that could you know could uh, that uh, someone could use to murder someone. So the, the, that's the basis of the of the concealed information test that David Lykin in um, in Minnesota, I believe, where he, where he was working, discovered in 1959. So it's always the same principle. You show that your your suspect a key piece of evidence, and it's always assorted with uh, five or six. Uh, neutral uh, alternatives. So that's what happened in 1959. So then we need to go a little further. About six years later, 1965. Well, wait, well, okay. be, before you continue, so yep. so if, the, if if the suspect knows that he used a particular weapon and you present him with that weapon plus an assortment of other ones, how do you determine that the person has uh, a guilty a guilty mind or a guilty information as you described it? I don't want to 
get uh, sidetracked here with the polygraph because people associate right. uh, polygraph with lie detection, but it's a it's a it's a device a bit... used for different purposes. Uh, absolutely, sure. Yes, absolutely. Because you can use several tests. Uh, a, a, a polygraph is only a device that captures signal, so right. uh, it captures various uh, signals from the f physiological signal. So now. Let's move forward about six years later, in 1965, another key development uh, happened. Uh, another group of American scientists discovered this P300 waveform. Okay, so what the heck is a P300 waveform? That, that, that's one of my questions. What is a P300 yeah. response? Okay, so uh, in 1965, well, the, the group uh, led by Samuel Sutton, discovered that this P300 waveform meant something. Now, P300 means this, P for positive. So you have a, you end up with a positive deflection on a, on a graph, okay. you know, positive and negative. So P for positive. So you get an, an upward, uh, an upward going um, inflection of electricity. Okay. And 300 means that somewhere around 300, and now we know a bit more that it, it uh, the, the key reaction that we're looking for occurs anywhere between 300 to six or 700 milliseconds okay. after uh, being exposed to a, uh, a certain stimulus. So let me give you a, a concrete example. So you and I are walking down the street um, in, in anywhere city in North America. And then we hear a, a loud bang. Okay, so we both stop, and already we, we turn our attention to where this noise came from. Okay, so I, I bring you back to the orienting reflex that you and I, because we're human beings, we're equipped with this, because it's a, uh, it's, uh, and the, the key words here are that the stimulus is, became a, a novel and meaningful stimul stimulus to us. Okay. It was no, it was novel to the conversation because you and I are walking down the street and we're talking about whatever the weather, uh, you know, uh, uh, the baseball game yesterday, basketball game. So it's it's novel to the to our conversation. It's new to the conversation. So we hear a loud bang, and it's meaningful to us because, you know, both of us say, "Hey, we," um, we and this happens in in the, you know in milliseconds, but we both go well. I, I think, I, you know, was that a gunshot or was that a car backfiring? So it, it, it has meaning to us in that sense. That's that this, somewhere in our in our uh, in our memories, um, we we heard that noise before, but we're quite not sure what it is. So, um, but this would this would happen if we if you and I were walking down the street and at the same time we were equipped with uh, electrodes attached to our scalp. And, and someone would uh, would measure our brain activity with the use of an electroencephalogram. And you know, okay, if you can imagine us walking down the street and someone following us with with a bunch of wires attached to our head, well, this is what the the experimenter would would see the electrical activity, and he would see a spike uh, of electrical activity um, at roughly three three hundred to six hundred milliseconds beyond the, the when we were exposed to this loud bang so that's where p300 comes from 
the okay. positive defle deflection of electricity on a graph about roughly 300 to 600 milliseconds uh, post-stimulus. So after being exposed to a, a novel and meaningful stimulus, our attention is drawn automatically to this new stimulus that we, we, we want to investigate because we're not sure what it is. You know, going back to Ivan Pavlov and, may, and, the, and the prehistoric man, should we, should we uh, maybe take a defensive action? You know, if the if the if it was a gunshot, well, maybe there was there is somebody walking around with a handgun, and maybe we should we should uh, run away, uh, or or maybe yeah. maybe the gunshot the, the the gunshot is so close that now we it's too late. We need to uh, take a, a, a more maybe offensive action to uh, to tackle whatever right. uh, uh, threat there is. When someone's asking someone about a crime and they're attached to these. To this device, are you trying to look for that same signature? Yes, absolutely. That's that's the that's the gist of uh, brainwave analysis. It's a bit more complicated than that, but that's roughly uh, roughly what the uh, scientists uh, such as myself would try to uh, to detect. Uh, up up until 1992, um, there was no one had a thought of of, of merging um, merging the, the this P300 uh, wave. And uh, at, um, try to attach it uh, to this concealed information test, or rather the other way around, uh, developing uh, the, the CIT. Peter Rosenfeld developed uh, a four stimuli protocol. So uh, I'm, I'm, bit, I'm getting a bit more technical here, but uh, his, his uh, protocol uh, is a bit, bit more precise in the sense that when a person is that is uh, seated in front of a computer screen and is and is presented or f uh, flashed with uh, a variety of, of images? There's a certain uh, certain steps to follow uh, along with two mouse and one must click uh, left or right and on uh, the button presses of, of each mouse. So, right when you said earlier about how you flash images in front of a person, would that also work with like a suspect you would flash images and then they would have get a response and it would the picture of the actual a weapon be of of the one used in the actual crime scene or or a different one well both absolutely sure um so again let's go back to the example that i that i raised earlier this uh, hypothetical homicide of this woman yeah. being stabbed around the neck area and uh, you have the police has a suspect in custody and and uh, the suspect would be in, uh, before the interview. That's really crucial here. What's well, before the interview? The, yes, because you don't want to contaminate the um, the suspect's memory. Uh, just just suppose that the the detectives were not um, uh, competent enough. Let's say and let's say they in, they would interview the suspect and and show him a. Uh, a paper copy of a, of a, of, of a photographs of the crime scene, the, mm -hmm. the neck uh, wounds, the, the knife, and then subsequent to the interview, then you would you would uh, do this memory detection test. So uh, you know it wouldn't it wouldn't take a smart lawyer, uh, but uh, just just to say that well, of course you detected the memory of, of my of my client because. He he encoded the image of the brain, of the weapon right. when you an hour ago when the police interviewed him and showed him the photographs. So that's why it's important 
that this test be conducted on a suspect before an interview. How reliable is it? Is it used, uh, can it be used in courts? And is it currently being used in criminal investigations? Um, is it reliable? Well, uh, I would say yes. Um, but so far, uh, there, there's still quite a bit of work left to be done because um, uh, all the work that uh, Peter Rosenfeld did at Northwestern University were, con were done with uh, university undergraduate students that are normally healthy and young. So uh, we do not have uh, any data uh, with, uh, with uh, suspects that may have been under the influence of uh, alcohol, mm -hmm. uh, uh, drugs, or, or maybe, uh, maybe um, suffering from a, a, any kind of mental disorder, schizophrenia, psychopathy, for instance. So we don't have any, any of this data because all the work has been done uh, so far in a laboratory setting. So that's, uh, that's the answer to your question about being reliable. I, I think it is upwards to the, up, upwards to the uh, mid to upper 90%. Uh, I, myself, in my case, uh, was the second um, researcher to ever uh, validate independently uh, Peter Rosenfeld's work. But we're, I feel, ready to move to um, field uh, testing and uh, this would require, uh, at this point, the collaboration of law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. And now your, your other question was whether it, was it is used in court. So um, uh, the, the short answer is no, um, simply because it, it, it lacks, uh, so far as I said, we lack the data from, um, from uh, field experiments. However, there, there, are, there have been a few attempts to bring uh, such evidence before a tribunal. So in a real-world scenario, Michael, um, does the subject's emotional state come into play in terms of the quality of results? You would not want an overexcited um, person in front of you. You would want that person really calm, collected, and um, so if, if a suspect... Uh, is arrested by the police and the suspect is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, I certainly would not want to test that person. I would want to wait a few hours until that person is, uh, is, uh, is um, clear or, or, or of any, of any um, effects of the, right, right. the drugs and, or alcohol that yeah. the person has taken. And what if the person commits a crime while inebriated? Would, would the P300 response be blunted and somehow contaminate? Good question. Uh, the answer to this, we simply don't know yet. Um, that's, that's something that we could certainly be tested in a laboratory or maybe uh, in a pseudo field experiment. You know, how um, I'm sure that uh, I was a police officer before with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police uh, for over 30 years, I've, I've, and I've investigated the serious offenses throughout the, my my career. So, uh, it, is it is it plausible that a suspect who has committed, let's say, a homicide and uh, under the influence of alcohol or drugs, and um, then is arrested and and, and perhaps has no memory? Uh, yes, it is certainly plausible. Espe now, especially how... since 
a lot of crime, most of the crimes are done under the influence of alcohol. Certainly. But one must remember that um, this technique is not, is not a, a panacea to everything. Right. So, but but it, it is just, of course, it has its limitation, its own limitation, its inherent limitations, of course. But like any other um, forensic uh, de technique to detect uh, or collect uh, any piece of evidence, uh, be it uh, uh, ballistics, be it fingerprints, uh, even, even DNA, all of these techniques have their own uh, limitation. Of course. You know, ballistic. Ballistics, for example, if, a, if the, the, the bullet itself hits, uh, goes through the, a human being, or he even hits a, a bone inside the body, depending on the caliber, it could be uh, damaged to the point that, that, that a comparison is really difficult to do under, in, in the laboratory. The same thing with fingerprints. Um, right, right. There's always so, a margin of error somewhere. Now, as yeah. your time as a, a police officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, did you encounter, and this this, this question's a little, we're going to pivot a little bit to something else, but it's still in the same same vein. Did you did you encounter psychopaths, and how co common were they uh, when, when these crimes were committed? And being a psychopath where, where your emotional response, again, is blunted, you know, I guess you would have to account for that in, the, in this kind of testing, too. Well, I say this in retrospect because uh, I completed my PhD uh, only last year, so I, I'm thinking back of uh, the of the suspects that I would have uh, interviewed or investigated, and now with the knowledge um, that I have now, I I apply that in, right. in a ret yes, I backtrack and I say, oh, well, this guy that right. I interviewed so many years ago, you know, he. he um, he must have. He, he appears to have the right. the key characteristics of a psychopath. But I, I, uh, I, th I think it should be a part of a formal training as a police officer to uh, detect these kinds of uh, these kinds of people. Honestly, sure, absolutely. I, I of course uh, every police uh, detective uh, uh, should at least get in a certain kind of basic training on how to right. detect psychopaths. Uh, there there has been very little done in terms of testing this particular brainwave, yeah. which is, a, which is by the way, let's not forget, it's a memory reflex. So it's your organism that, re, that reacts in a re, reflexively to um, being exposed to a certain stimulus. Correct. So my, even though we have very, very scant amount of uh, uh, scientific literature on the, on, in the domain of uh, psychopath and how P300 reacts to them. I would venture a guess, and it's it's only a guess, uh, an, ed an educated guess, uh, uh, that um, psychopaths would not react any differently than than you and I, uh, than, than a non-psychopath person. Simply because, like I said, I'm repeating myself, but the P300 is uh, is a reflexive uh, uh, response to a particular novel and meaningful stimulus. Right. It so. has nothing. It has very little to do with emotion. Um, where I would think that the police could begin using this uh, technique uh, is with um, eyewitnesses. Now, so far up until now, during this interview, we've we've always talked about this technique being used with crime suspects. Okay, so I I think that this technique could be used with a crime, uh, an, an eyewitness of a crime, okay? 
So you and I are walking down the street again, and uh, we hear this loud bang. And suppose that this loud bang uh, is the result of a, of a, of a gunshot because uh, we happen to be walking by a, a jewelry store that was robbed. Okay, and uh, there's a gunshot that was fired uh, in the course of this of this robbery. So you and I, we this the, just witness. We're an eyewitness to this uh, armed robbery of a jewelry store, and the suspect just ran, runs out of the jewelry store right in front of us. We have a clear look at who he is, and he runs away, and he, he goes off in the, into the sunset. He's later, he, he is later apprehended by the police through whatever investigative means that they, that they uh, use. And so you and I are, with, are an eyewitness to this uh, armed robbery. And uh, now we're called in by the police to determine whether we can identify this uh, armed robber. So, of course, we, we cooperate with the police, and, but we want to identify the right man. So now, uh, 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 right now, every, every day, uh, every week in, 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 in the world, uh, for that matter, um, the typical way for police detectives to... Uh, uh, to um, um, uh, to verify whether uh, an eyewitness has rec or recognizes the the key suspect is that they the police detective would prepare a, a, a photo lineup or a photo array or photo parade. It's it's different terminology, but it always yeah it always the same thing. So and and surprisingly, you know what? I explained to you what a, the concealed information test was before. Now showing one one right. probe. Item, a, a crime component, a, a key component, and assorted with another. Well, a, a photo parade is just the same thing. So the photograph of your of your suspect, of your main suspect, would be shown to us as, as eyewitnesses, assorted with other similar-looking males, same age group, uh, skin color, etc. Okay. So now this today this is the technique that the police uh, normally used, and I've 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 built uh, hundreds of of those uh, photo parade uh, during the course of my investigations. What I argue is that this technique could be used in eyewitnesses for a couple for a couple of reasons. We know that from the scientific literature on eyewitness misidentification that eyewitness misidentification is responsible for about 71% of wrongful convictions, okay? <laughs> Yes, it's it's that high. Wow. This is a study. This is a study by Sachs and Kohler from 2005. So, uh, 71 percent is quite high, and uh, we we know that eyewitness um, testimony or eyewitness uh, evidence is is quite um, uh, subject to is fragile, is, is subject to all kinds of other um, elements that could skew the the memory. Uh, of the of the eyewitness, so I argue that using this technique could provide investigators with a reliable and objective quantitative measure of memory recognition. So let me unpack what I've just said. We know that the protocol that I've learned out of Northwestern University from Dr. Rosenfeld, I think it is a reliable instrument. It does provide that the examiner, me in this case, it does it does provide me with a a, a, a um, an objective 
quantifiable measure of memory recognition. So I end up with a, as a result of uh, when I when I test my 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 persons, my participants in my my experiments. I, I, after the fact, I conduct a a statistical analysis, a, a quantitative figure in uh, in of uh, over and uh, over a hundred. So. It's either 85, 90, 95, 98%. So that tells me quantitatively whether a person is 98%, 85 or 75, or maybe 50, who knows, uh, positive that he or she has a memory uh, recognition of that uh, of seeing that um, the, 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 sh the photo that shown to him or her. Right. So instead of nowadays, when 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 witnesses are shown are are shown the photo parade, and now the detective, you know, let's go back to my example that you and I are walking down the street, where eyewitnesses to this uh, jewelry uh, arm robbery. So the detectives prepare a photo parade. They show us uh, 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 copies. Uh, uh, of uh, photographs of the suspect assorted, assorted with other similar-looking guys, and then we're, we're asked a question. Okay, so what do you think? So you and I can only answer, well, okay, it's, it is him or, or her, uh, or I'm pretty sure it's him, or any kind of, uh, any kind of subjective statement uh, that, that would, uh, that would uh, encompass our, our answer. We're using an electroencephalogram, a very scientific uh, instrument, to measure the brainwave activity of a person, and, and as a result of a statistical analysis after afterwards, we would get a number out of 100. 85, 95, uh, 100, or maybe maybe 50. And maybe the person does not recognize uh, the, the individual in question. So that's what I'm saying. It would be a much more um, precise, reliable way of um, of, of drawing out evidence from an eyewitness. I mean, if handwriting analysis is used by the FBI, then uh, I certainly think this can be used. My, my biggest challenge is, uh, is, a, is the police culture. I, I know the police culture quite well, having spent 33 years in law enforcement in, in Canada, and I've had uh, many occasions to... to um, to uh, work with uh, American counterparts and and some other uh, European counterparts during during international um, uh, investigations in the course of my career, so I I think the challenge is to convince police to use or to use that uh, to accept to accept this technique into their toolbox. The biggest challenge right now is police culture because. The go-to uh, technique to, to assess credibility is the polygraph. So uh, that's the, the go-to technique in North America. It is not the case for police forces in Australia, where I used to teach uh, in policing. And it is not the case um, in some countries in Europe. So maybe maybe uh, Australian police or some European-based uh, uh, police forces might be more amenable in terms of culturally speaking to accept this kind of uh, technique into their toolbox. Maybe there's a chief of police uh, listening right now. 
uh, or will be listening to this podcast in the future and uh, uh, maybe he uh, he or she would uh, invite me to show my that would be uh, great. but yeah. in the meantime <clears throat> in the meantime I'll, I'll try to continue my research now you can just imagine we yeah. uh, that all the technical all the ethical um, rules that we guidelines and rules and regulations that uh, that uh, researchers uh, nowadays have to abide by. Um, so it, it almost seems to me like uh, another another avenue to maybe get this kind of accepted is if you pair it up with some sort of artif uh, artificial intelligence analysis of the results, um, and also not only not only the the P three hundred response, but maybe you could do like micro changes and eye movement and other things like that. But I'm glad you brought that up because uh, in the course of my PhD studies, I did. Um, I did try that in a in a uh, short very uh, short uh, experiment using a, an eye tracking device. Cool. Um, yeah, interesting. And uh, yeah, and eye tracking or um, eye movement, I should say, works similarly uh, to the to to to, um, to how the electrical brain waves operate. You know, your your eyes would uh, would uh, be drawn to um, a, a particular uh, part of the photograph shown to you, and um, there, and we could measure fixations and mm -hmm. saccades. The fixations is the number, the length of time that your eye is Focused is on. focusing on a certain point or points uh, of a of a particular stimulus, and the saccades are the the uh, the movement from from fixation to fixation. So let's say the tip of my nose is, is uh, somebody fixate, fixates on my nose and then my cheek. So from the, no, from the nose to my cheek is, is a saccade okay. uh, in, in terms of uh, eye tracking. So uh, I know that both eye tracking technology and electroencephalography can be merged together. But again, that's a bit more Involved. technical. Right. Uh, yeah, in terms of programming, and right. uh, so both machines have to mm, talk to each other and right. so on. Right, right. Uh, I just want to conclude with with uh, the with the light, uh, with the possible uh, application of this technique into a, a lie detection. Okay. Uh, uh, broader technique. Let's just say, for example, that uh, I'm accused of of uh, raping Mary. And Mary, to me, is a complete stranger. So it's a stranger-to-stranger stranger, uh, sexual assault. So I could be, I could be um, uh, tested first. You know, someone, a detective, would ar I'm, I'm arrested, and I'm, shown, uh, I'm, I'm uh, shown a photograph, or rather in, in tested with the photograph of memory, uh, Mary, Mary's uh, face. Okay. So... Uh, just like it's it's like reversing a photo a photo parade, uh, like we ex like I explained to you earlier about our my example, my my hypothetical example with the uh, armed robbery of the jewelry store. So you 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 uh, you would show the the face of the victim to the suspect. So again, first of all, the suspect would be tested with uh, by showing the the photo of the of the victim brainwave analysis and everything and then afterwards he's interviewed the suspect is interviewed so uh depending on the result so suppose we get a very high percentage of uh, memory recognition index um from the suspect 
uh, about Mary. Uh, my, so my brain has, has uh, shown that, uh, uh, that I've encoded into my memory the face of Mary, the person, I'm, the person I am alleged to have raped. Right. So afterwards, I'm interviewed, okay? And the detective shows me a photograph of Mary. And then he says, have you ever seen this person? And suppose I say, no, I've never seen this person in my life. So now the detective is armed with the very strong evidence to show the contrary. Because earlier I was tested uh, through a brainwave, through this brainwave analysis technique. And the, the, the person who tested me with, uh, by, after conducting a statistical analysis has uh, shown that my brain has clearly um, re recorded into memory Mary's face. So now I'm interviewed later by this detective who, who's asked me, have you ever seen this person in, in, in before? And I say, no. Well, I've just lied. My, my, my brain has, uh, has uh, shown otherwise. <laughs> so in, in that context, it could be used in terms of a lie detection machine right. or instrument. Right, right, right. Really glad that, that uh, uh, you invited me on your show and uh, I've, I've been able to share this, this uh, really uh, interesting uh, uh, knowledge and scientific uh, development in psychophysiology to your audience. Yes, yes. No, this is a very interesting subject and I think it's, um, like you said, uh, there might be a, a uh, detective listening or, or a head of a police force and uh, he'd be interested in probably contacting you. And, and on that note... Michael Fuccinelli, where can people find out more information about you and how can people contact you? Well, they, I, I do not have a website, but uh, people can contact, contact me through my LinkedIn uh, page at michel.funicelli uh, on the LinkedIn platform. Okay, Michael, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it.